0: Think on your feet for our fast and
1: curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org/events.
0: How are Ukrainians in Chicago doing as we approach the one-year anniversary of the Russia invasion? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Tomorrow marks one year since Russia invaded Ukraine. It's estimated that thousands of civilians and tens of thousands of soldiers have died. The UN says 14 million people have been displaced, and as we know, many Ukrainian cities have been reduced to rubble. Russian ships have blocked grain from leaving Ukraine, leading to food shortages in places like Yemen, Afghanistan, and countries in the Horn of Africa. We've seen gas prices rise globally. And now, amid renewed concerns of a nuclear arms race, the conflict grinds on. Olaha Sventarna left Ukraine at the start of the war and came to Chicago with her teenage son. Olaha, thank you so much for coming on Reset. What is going through your mind a year since the start of the war?
2: Uh, it's been a difficult year for my country. Uh, it's been a uh, much easier year for myself because uh, uh, whatever happens, uh, I know that Ukrainian refugees are not like uh, people who uh, w- were willing to escape their country in uh, a search for some new opportunities. Uh, these are people who were turned out uh, with their roots, you know, and uh, uh, displaced because uh, they were looking for a shelter to save their children to save their lives. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it hasn't been easy, but uh, uh, Ukrainian refugees understand that uh, we are safe, we are fine. So we need to find a job, we need to be strong for our country, for the ones who fight, And so we managed to work and uh, uh, find opportunities to uh, help our our soldiers, uh, our friends, relatives who serve in the army right now, who volunteer, uh, who uh, do medical assistance. And uh, we are really grateful uh, for American people, for American president. uh, And it was really brave of him to visit Ukraine uh, these days. Uh, And uh, it's um, a tremendous support. Uh, we see that the whole world stands with us uh, and we n- need to stop this evil uh now and for good so uh, we are really grateful for all the help we get and um you said it you need... said it hasn't
0: been easy olaha w- what are the conditions like for your family members who are still there what are they seeing and w- where are they exactly
2: uh, oh my family is in Kiev, in smilnytskyi uh if you mean all the relatives, yes. they are all over Ukraine. Uh, but I uh, I was lucky, well, my family is lucky not to lose their homes uh, or lives, but who knows what's going to happen next month, you know. Mm. Uh, and yeah. I have friends who serve in the army right now, so we are praying for them and we uh, managed to buy drones or uh, night vision devices for them. Uh, so it's... Uh, Helps us, you know, not to feel like we abandoned our country, and right. uh, like we just enjoying our regular lives uh, without thinking about them. No, we are helping, uh, and it's, uh, it's when I came here, I was frustrated and I felt like I really uh, I'm leaving them behind, uh, and they are in danger, and I'm not. Uh, but when I started uh, donating money, uh, I started participating in charity events, in uh, fundraisers. Uh, um, I felt stronger, and I just I thought to myself that it's really um, more useful yeah. than I would be just hiding in some basement, you know, in Ukraine. Right. So uh, together well, we can defeat this evil.
0: Let's talk about your your life now. You you came to Chicago with your son last March. Um, we mm-hmm. spoke to you on the program about six months into this war. You've since you've got a job as an office manager at a cleaning company.
2: First. Yes, multi-system management company is owned by uh, a, a Polish man. He is a great supporter of Ukraine, and he gives jobs to Ukrainian people because uh, most of them don't speak language, and it's really uh, hard to find a job. You know, for a mm-hmm. start, cleaning services is uh, the, like the first option. Uh, Maybe when uh, where they they are looking for for a job, and I'm happy to help uh, Ukrainian people uh, finding the job.
0: Yeah. Well, you are still here a a year later. I mean, did you anticipate that you would still be in America this long?
2: Uh. Well, uh,
0: you know, most
2: of people didn't believe uh, that Russia would even attack. Uh, I believed because uh, looking back at our history, there are millions of people, millions of Ukrainian people uh, killed by the uh, Soviet regime, and uh, I know uh, what they are capable of. And uh, uh, I understand that Putin is just a maniac with a lot of power and money, and he wouldn't stop. So. Uh, mm. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to end so quickly, but I don't have uh, enough information to uh, make judgments like this. You know, to give some uh, terms like where it's gonna, when it's gonna end. Right. Uh, it, it's gonna end when we have enough of uh, arms, uh, enough of uh, uh, money, uh, whatever is needed uh, right. to to fight the enemy. Because if uh, there is a crazy man with a gun uh, pointing at a child, you know, and the police officer sees it, the police officer uh, knows what to do. Right, right. Uh, yes, we you, we cannot negotiate anymore with uh, a crazy person with a lot of arms.
0: It's tough. Uh, so you are still here. You know many refugees who have returned to Ukraine. Yes. Do you see yourself continuing to build a life here in Chicago moving forward?
2: Uh, I uh, actually I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I, that's understandable. I, I, I'm I'm really lost. I'm really lost. But uh, I just know that uh, at this moment, right now, uh, I need to do whatever I can to support myself, my son, and uh, to be strong and help my uh, family and friends uh, in Ukraine. Uh, and what, what's going to happen next, I will just—the time will tell. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Well, you uh, you touched on this earlier, Olaha. After his visit to Kyiv, President Biden gave a speech at the Royal Castle in Poland on Tuesday, and he was saying that the U.S. had chosen to protect democracy and the sovereignty of nations, also the right of people to protect themselves from aggression. Let's listen.
1: I have the honor to stand with President Zelensky in Kyiv to declare that we will keep standing up for these same things, no matter what.
0: So tell us more of your your thoughts on this, Ola. I mean, President Putin also gave a speech ahead of the anniversary. He was blaming the West and and vowing to continue the war. So how are you feeling hearing that?
2: Uh, I feel that the United States and Ukraine are the lands of the free and the home of the brave. And uh, I, uh, whatever President Putin says, uh, it doesn't matter, because uh, whatever he says, uh, he just means to—he um, he has just one intention, to make somehow his own people believe that they need to go abroad and kill people there. They need to, to have a reason for doing that. They are dying there. And he— uh, He didn't make the speech for uh, Americans, for Ukrainians, or he just uh, uh, did it for his own people to persuade them that somehow they need to go and die. Uh, Yeah. This this speech is uh, the same as uh, all of the Hitler's speeches, just to... uh, Collect more uh, more people uh, and do this uh, this crime, this war crime.
0: We'll leave it's it there. not
2: worth of our intention. Even we need to understand that we are fighting a, a maniac with a lot of power, and that's it. And he does what he needs to do mm-hmm. uh, to uh, pursue his dreams of uh, I don't know, grabbing more territory because Russia, you know, it's a very small country. Probably, it needs more territory.
0: Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Ola Hasvintarna, thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Supporting Ukraine.
0: Our pleasure. Next, we're going to turn to the head of a Chicago school that has taken in dozens of refugee students this past year. Anna Cirilli is the principal at St. Nicholas Cathedral School in Ukrainian Village. Welcome back, Anna.
3: Hi, good morning. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thank you for joining. Also here, Oksana Vasilenko, who's a refugee from Ukraine, whose son attends St. Nick's. Welcome, Oksana. Good morning. And I'll start with you. Can you remind us how many Ukrainian students have you taken in since the start of the war?
3: Uh, It's been over, you know, 95, close to 100. Uh, Currently, we have 73 students enrolled.
0: 73. So what additional services Mm -hmm. do you have to provide to the students? Walk us through what the day-to-day is like.
3: Um, You know, initially, like we had talked about last spring, we were focused on providing them with just like a welcoming, nurturing, safe environment, Um, and that just meant providing them with the comfort of having friends around and friendly faces and, and activities to keep them feeling like a part of the community. And as we went into this school year, we focused more on the academics and preparing them to be successful in, a, in, a, in a, the school environment academically, so mm-hmm. uh, a lot of English language instruction, and then additionally just <sighs> teaching them about the culture here at our school and in, in Chicago, and to be successful in the classroom in their core subjects, math, language arts, reading and writing.
0: Oksana, let's bring you in here. Tell us how the school has helped you and your son.
4: Uh, Saint Nicholas School um, gave my son a free education and uh, very helped with um, adaptation because when we arrived, my son uh, didn't understand English uh, at all. He didn't understand teachers and uh, teachers of Saint Nicholas School helped him to learn uh, English language. Saint Nicholas School gives uh, all stuff for me and uh, for my babies
2: hmm
4: That's and, great. Uh, yes, and Nikola's school very helped uh, our family.
0: Speaking of your family, I know your husband is uh, still in Ukraine. How how has that been for you?
4: It's very difficult for me and my son. Um, yes, my uh, husband um, is still in Ukraine. He is fighting now. Um it's very difficult for my son because he, every day, he asks me, Mom, where is my dad? Um, we miss him so much. Um, we can speak with him with, um, with video uh, every Sunday and every Saturday.
0: Video and, calls. Uh, you make video, video calls? calls?
4: Yes, video call on space time And uh, I try to support the relationship with my son and uh, with my husband when I buy some toys. Oh, for my son, I say uh, Sasha. Uh, this is present uh, for for your dad, and he's so happy of this.
0: Yeah, and your son is what three years old? He's young, right?
4: My son is three years, three and a half.
0: Yes. Wow. So, so you are here with uh, with just your son and your dog. You are um, working two jobs. Is that right?
4: Yes, right. Uh, I have to work so hard because um, I need to pay rent. I need to buy uh, food, clothes, and um, uh, pay bills. And uh, I want to spend uh, a, lot of, a lot of time with my son, but uh, I have to work. Uh, the first work is um, in um, St. Nicholas um, Church. Yeah. Yeah. Second work in organization who helped Ukrainian refugee.
0: That's great. I'm glad you were able to find that support. Uh, what do you want the people listening to us right now, Oksana? What do you want them to know about what it's been like to to be a refugee here?
4: Um, I want uh, the people understand it's very uh, difficult to start life. Uh, uh, to new, to start new life in new country without um, understand language, English language. It's very hard uh, without uh, any relatives, uh, any friends to stay here with a little uh, little son. Um, it's hard to work a lot, to pay uh, some bills. Uh, it's hard to stay with baby because a baby needs uh, more... Um, More attention, more education, Mm -hmm. um, more my attention.
0: It's a lot to juggle, for sure. And uh, does this sound like what you're hearing from from a lot of the other families that St. Nick's has taken in?
3: Yeah, (laughs) you know, everybody's journey is a little bit different. And um, it goes, you know, from one extreme to the next. Um, But definitely, you know, finding work has been one of the biggest challenges for the families uh, because they need to have some sort of an English language base. So getting them the English language lessons so they can at least communicate um, with simple commands and and greetings and things like that. But finding work that's um, substantial enough that can get them through a week and a month to pay rent and things like that has been been a challenge. Um, a lot of people have been reaching out, but always uh, the language is, is usually the barrier and in yeah. and, um, and helping them find work.
0: So. so thinking back on this year, Anna, what would you say you have learned?
3: What have I learned? <laughs> I've learned to be empathetic and compassionate to a group of people that is traumatized and trying to find away in a country that they're not familiar with um i i've learned that these people are hard working and they're um you know they they want to see their country they want to be free they want to see their country um safe and their family members safe so i've learned you know to be to be empathetic to their journey and to help them as, as best that i can and and you know the team here at saint nicholas has definitely embarked on that journey, and um, is is ready to help
0: at all times. Oksana, are you still hopeful about the future for Ukrainians?
4: Yes, I proud every day of for uh, for future Ukraine. We want
0: to war stopped right now. Do you hope to return to your home country? If uh, war
4: stopped uh, will stop tomorrow yes of course i take my son my dog and uh, i will return to home but uh, i can i can't say about future because war is i can't see stop this war unfortunately yeah.
0: Take care of yourself. Oksana Vasilenko is a Ukrainian refugee and Anna Cirilli is the principal at St. Nicholas Cathedral School in Ukrainian Village. Thank you both for joining. With tomorrow marking one year since Russia invaded Ukraine, it's natural to ask how long will the war go on? Presidents Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin both gave major speeches this week that outlined their intentions. Here to provide insight is John Huko CEO of Rotary International and Ukrainian-American political analyst. John, what were your thoughts on Putin's address?
1: Well, if I could just uh, digress for a second, Sasha, just uh, react to the, your previous guests, Orha and Oksana, because your interview with them really, really hit very, very close to the home, because this is really like the second time that this sort of mass migration or fleeing has happened in Ukraine. My own parents uh, from from Western Ukraine in 1943, when the Soviet Army started moving west during World War II, had to flee, just like had, They didn't want to. They had to. They had no choice. They spent four years in a refugee camp in southern Germany, a displaced hmm. persons camp, and then came to the United States in 1949. And I through them lived exactly that that the experience that they are living through coming to a new country, learning a language, um, and, and also having that feeling of in, intense gratitude to this country for for accepting accepting them. So thank you for doing that interview because it really sure. it really hit close to home and highlighted that this is this is not the first time uh, in, in modern in recent history that this has happened to Ukrainians. Yeah. But in terms of um, in terms of Putin and his. And, and his comments, uh, not at all unexpected, um, It's part of his sort of ongoing uh, propaganda campaign, creating a really an alternative reality um, with very close control of the media. Uh, if you listen to Russian television, and I do quite a bit, it's it's like watching a totally different, totally different reality. Mm. Uh, and the, the narrative is changing every day, depending on what they need. First, it was you know, are there to. Um, to, to get rid of a Nazi fascist government, and then now it's NATO against, uh, against us, the whole world against us, et cetera, So not unexpected. Uh, it was rambling, disjointed, uh, but uh, certainly part of the, the ongoing process of, of really propagandizing Russian society.
0: Well, in that address, he dropped a rather explosive announcement in the middle, um, and this is the middle of a nearly two-hour speech, Uh, He said Russia would be suspending its participation in New START. That's one of the the last remaining nuclear arms treaties. Some people are wondering whether this is going to reignite a Cold War arms race. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, he used
1: the word suspend, which is better than walk away. Um, And, uh, you know, whether this leads to an arms race or not, I think uh, still remains to be seen. But what we do clearly have now is the, the creation of really almost two sort of blocks uh, in the world, the United States with, with Western Europe and Japan, Korea, and other countries, and you have Russia partnering with Iran, with, uh, with China, India sort of playing both sides of the fence. Um, you know, and that's, that's the evolution we're now seeing in terms of a uh, sort of a bipolar, in a sense, a slightly complicated bipolar uh, tension, uh, two, two, two blocks uh, uh, coming into formation. But the key for me, again, in all of this is Ukraine has to win this war. And by winning, that means pushing Russia back at least to the pre-February 24th uh, borders. Uh, We need this for Europe. We need this for Ukraine. uh, We need this to show that, you know, aggression does not work in today's world. But we also need it for Russia, uh, Sasha. Uh, Only if Russia suffers a significant battlefield defeat, uh, will that make it sort of impossible for Putin to continue this veneer, uh, this creation of a alternative universe for his, for his people?
0: Well, in his address, President Biden indicated that the U.S. and NATO will continue to provide help in the Ukrainian war effort. Let's listen.
1: One year into this war, Putin no longer doubts the strength of our coalition, but he still doubts our conviction. He doubts our staying power. He doubts our continued support for Ukraine. He doubts whether NATO can remain unified. But there should be no doubt. Our support for Ukraine will not waver. NATO will not be divided, and we will not tire.
0: So one of the things that comes up again and again, John, when, when you're talking to refugees, it's this fear, right, that Americans are just going to eventually lose interest in this conflict. Has that happened so far? And do you see it happening in these coming weeks and months? I don't think it's
1: happened yet because we're still seeing very broad bipartisan support in the U.S. Congress for Ukraine for Ukraine aid. Obviously, President Biden just gave a very, very strong uh, strong address in support, uh, in support of Ukraine. But I always have been concerned that it seems as if the U.S. and NATO policy has been to give Ukraine just enough not to lose. And I think that's the wrong approach. We need to give Ukraine whatever it needs to win, and the, the the quickest way to end the refugee crisis, to end the killing, et cetera, et cetera, to end all the destruction that's happening is for Ukraine to to win. Now, obviously, it's a fine line. You don't want to provoke a direct conflict with Russia, mm-hmm. but Putin has drawn ten line, ten red lines in the sand uh, over over the course of this war, and he's not crossed any of them. Yeah. And so, I obviously the U.S will need to continue support. I think it will continue to support, but we need to do more. The faster Ukraine wins, the faster we get this behind us and the faster, the better it is for the world at large.
0: I mean, to that end, analysts have said that th- this could become a war of attrition and the possibilities of ending it w- would leave no one happy. So we've also heard that uh, it could involve ceding land too. So what would that look like?
1: Well, again, I think, the, you know, the, if, if, if eventually it comes to a war of attrition, you certainly want to have that happen, or at least if it comes to a negotiated settlement, the more territory Ukraine can get before the, they sit down to peace talks, the better, obviously. And, and obviously, the more Ukraine land Ukraine is able to recover, the more it looks as if Putin is losing, the more, the, the more difficulty he has in, in convincing his people that they're actually winning and that this war makes make sense, uh, the sooner we can get to the negotiating table. So for me, it's all about giving Ukraine what it needs to reoccupy as much territory as possible so they can come to the negotiating table, force negotiations, and Mm -hmm. come to the table in the strongest possible position.
0: In your view, what is at stake here for the international community?
1: Well, first of all, if you look at it from the broad 30,000-foot level, just the principle of Uh, You have arms. You have nuclear arms. You have a big army. Uh, You you can't just walk into a neighbor in an unprovoked fashion, take over the country and get away with it. Uh, I mean, the whole post-Second World War order was built on the fact that you can't do these sorts of things. And so um, if Russia were to prevail here, the message it sends is as long as you have nuclear weapons, as long as you can hold the nuclear threat over people, Mm -hmm. you can come in, you can walk over your neighbors, and you're not going to suffer any any consequences so there's enormous stakes in terms of the global uh, the global order also enormous stakes for Ukraine obviously as an independent Sovereign country, and also great stakes for for Europe. If Putin were to win, and if he were to take over Ukraine, well, the Greek Soviet Union basically will be reconstituted, mm-hmm. and now you've got Russia right up against um, right up against um, a large number of NATO NATO countries, and you know all bets are off. Baltics are next. I have no doubt that if he were to prevail in Ukraine, the Baltics would be next. So there's a great great deal at stake, and as I mentioned earlier. A great deal at stake for Russia, because if Russia is ever going to get past this, mm-hmm. becoming, you know, a full-fledged Western democracy, uh, they need to lose this war. Yeah, It's only losing this war which is going to force, in my view, internal change in Russia.
0: Before I let you go, John, what, what else are you keeping an eye on?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, you, you know, the Ukrainian uh, economic situation, the destruction of, uh, of its infrastructure, uh, Putin is, you know, systematically— Destroying civilian infrastructure, trying to starve to death, uh, freeze to death 40 million uh, Ukrainians. But what I'm, I'll be looking at once this war is over is what's next? And, you know, how will the reconstruction money be used? Because Ukraine, prior to the war, still had significant rule of law issues, mm-hmm. significant judicial system issues, significant corruption issues. Uh, when the war ends and we, all this reconstruction money begins to pour into Ukraine, I would suggest that we really need to provide some tough love to Ukraine and say, here's the money, but you really need to now deal with these fundamental issues that you had before, of corruption, of rule of law, of reforming the judicial, a judicial system. Yeah. That's that next, last step that Ukraine needs to take in its journey in, uh, in, in nationhood. Mm-hmm. And the second is EU membership. Ukraine needs a realistic chance Joining the European Union because mm-hmm. that will force some of these uh, much-needed reforms, uh, much-needed reforms in, in in Ukraine. So it's getting the war over, having Ukraine win, and then using that victory to really take that last final step in the development of Ukrainian statehood and nationhood.
0: John Huco CEO of Rotary International. Thank you so much for your time, John.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Sasha.
0: Now we'll turn to Dan Dyson, president of the Ukrainian Congress Committee of America's Illinois Division. We're going to hear about local events that are coming up this weekend to mark this one-year anniversary of the war. Welcome, Dan.
5: Good morning. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I certainly do appreciate uh, you offering a couple of minutes to uh, let me highlight some of the events that we are doing uh, for to commemorate the first anniversary of the russian invasion into Ukraine.
0: Absolutely. So let's let's dive right in. There are lots of ways that folks can plug in here and mark the anniversary. Tell us about the prayer vigil that's happening tomorrow.
5: Okay. So uh, tomorrow, uh, the, our Bishop uh, Benedict and the our Archbishop uh, Boris Gutiak have uh, asked the community to participate in a Requiem Mass um, we call it in Ukrainian, that will be at 7.30 at St. Nicholas Cathedral, uh, <coughs> excuse me, at um, an Oakley Boulevard, uh, just one block north of Chicago Avenue. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the area, it is one block east of Western, and then of course one block north. But prior to that, we are having a uh, candlelight vigil and a meeting to uh condemn the first year anniversary again of the Russian uh of the Russian invasion mm-hmm. uh, that will be held at the on the plaza and on the steps of St Vladimir and Olga uh Ukrainian Catholic Church which is also uh just one block south um, on Oakley uh, and Chicago Avenue uh that event will start at 6:30 um in the in the evening okay. um, we have got uh, a number of uh, local politicians, um, Congressman Quigley is going to be in attendance, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot will be in attendance, uh, President of uh, Cook County, uh, Tony Prinkle, uh, Prinkle will be also in attendance. Uh, we expect a few more. Um, and, of course, our uh, Consul General of Ukraine, Mr. Syedhi uh, Um Also, with that event, we are one of the projects that a group of activists uh, have done is to create a photo montage. Uh, it's oh, called "365 wow. Days of Freedom."
0: Wow! And, and people and people I hear are going to be holding these photos on Michigan Avenue on Saturday
5: on saturday that will be on michigan avenue so on friday they're going to be lined up along oakley boulevard from from uh saint Volodymyr and on uh to the saint nicholas cathedral um the photo exhibit uh were photos taken in ukraine uh there are captions on every one of them and they highlight uh, a significant significant event of every single day of the war, so we have three hundred and sixty five photographs, plus some additional ones Wow, some additional information uh, Saturday morning uh, at ten a m there will be the flag raising at and i 'm sure the our Chicago listeners, your Chicago listeners uh, all know the large flagpole that is uh, visible from from the from the loop yes um we were going to be having a flag raising at at ten a m and in attendance will be the ukrainian American veterans post, so we also invite people to come to the flag raising Great. and at two o'clock the uh this photo exhibit uh the, nice. girls, the activists the volunteers will be lined up on Michigan avenue from yeah. uh water tower going south um so our Residents of Chicago, uh, you know, lots to choose who from. are uh, who are who are going to uh, be uh, enjoying Michigan Avenue, uh, but can also see yeah. uh, truly the atrocities that have occurred in Ukraine uh, during yeah. this period.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Dan Dyson is the president of the Ukrainian Congress Committee of America's Illinois Division. Mm-hmm. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.